what I'm doing and how I feel is more important to the title and the the social perception and the connection that's associated with me playing football. I actually made the decision to leave the game of football, but that was definitely one of the best decisions that I've ever made. My mission to honor a legacy of education and leadership development. I want to be the next Eric Thomas. I want to be the next Gary V, but at the same time, I want to be the next me. Give us some background about yourself. I'm a college student athlete at McDaniel College, which is located in Westminster, Maryland. I'm a football player. I play strong safety for the McDaniel Green Terror. I'm also a public speaker. I speak to high school and college students about education and leadership development, something I'm really passionate about. I'm majoring in business in college. And, you know, those are the things that I have going on right now. I actually speak at the 2018 uh, National Leadership Conference for FBLA next week. So that's kind of the thing that I'm preparing for. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of like a light background about what I do on a regular basis. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we definitely have a lot to cover. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. So first, we're going to start with the sport. How'd you get started? Uh, Well, I've always been an active kid. I actually started doing karate when I was in second grade. So that was the first sport or the first active thing that I did. And then my dad introduced me to football around sixth grade. I really didn't want to play football. But he thought it was, I was kind of a big, chunky kid. So he thought it was something that I could be good at. Maybe I could be like an offensive or a defensive lineman. So he signed me. I, I remember like it was yesterday. He signed me up for the first practice. And uh, we had an Oklahoma drill. You know, that's when the two players line up about five yards away from each other. And one player had to run up and tackle the other one. So I had trouble doing that. You know, I'm a little chunky kid. So I'm trying to run from one end to the other, trying to tackle the guy. And I couldn't tackle him. And I got real frustrated. And I said I wanted to quit football. I didn't want to play anymore. And remember, this is the first practice. So, you know, I didn't want to do it anymore after that. But I'm grateful for my dad. He, he was pushing me. And he said, you know, son, you need to go back. You can't base, you know, everything off of one practice. So we go from me being a chunky kid. I started losing weight around eighth grade going into high school. Uh, that's when I switched over from offensive lineman to running back. And then I played uh, middle linebacker and running back towards my senior year of high school. So. That's when it started, probably around 6th, 7th grade was my first time playing football. Have you ever played a sport? Have I ever played a sport? Yeah. Uh, I never really, like, played a sport, but I'll say, like, in gym, I would play basketball and, like, stuff like that. But other than that, that's about it. I don't play it as much as I do now, but it was good while it lasted. I say probably about seventh grade. Uh, I didn't play a sport, but the coach called my mom and and he wanted me to try it for football. And my mom was just like, nah, you know, I don't want him to do that. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> the coach was trying to reassure her that, you know, I'll be okay. How most moms are when it comes to yeah. football, too. You know, they're real protective. They don't want us to get hurt. What was it like growing up? I would say that I was blessed and I was privileged for the most part. You know, I had both parents in the household, had an older brother. Um, really, as a child, I had everything that I needed. And for the most part, I had everything that I wanted, too. Um, I went to a, a pretty good middle school. I actually went to a charter school for middle school. It was a brand new school, and I had a, a good time there. I was able to make the transition easily into high school. But, um, you know, when I talk about my older brother, he's kind of like the polar opposite of me. You know, even though I'm a speaker, I'm quiet for the most part. And he was kind of the one who was, you know, he was very outgoing. He was outspoken. He would speak his mind. And um, I kind of looked up to him, but up until high school, uh, I stopped looking up to him because I realized that a lot of the things he was doing uh, weren't things that I wanted to do. You know, he played basketball as well. He was pretty athletic, got kicked off the basketball team, got kicked out of high school. So, you know, growing up, I kind of had to find that role model in my dad. So I didn't really look up to my brother that much. 
I focused on looking up to my dad. You know, he just retired uh, last year from the Baltimore City Fire Department, was a firefighter for 32 years. And uh, my mom, she's really hardworking, too. So I had two hardworking parents to look up to. And now my brother, you know, he's trying to turn the things around and getting things together. But I had a pretty good childhood. I had a lot of people who supported me. And like I said, I had all the resources that I needed. Oh, that's good. You made a, you made a huge turnaround. Yes, Some sir. people can't even, like, come back from that. And they looking up, yeah. you know, one person and you got to find somebody else. Right. And that's the thing a lot of times, too, is either one extreme or the other because, you have that bad role model and you want to follow that. So a lot of people who have older brothers or older sisters who they look up to who aren't doing the right things and are, you know, doing drugs and are smoking and are drinking and doing the things that they're not supposed to do at that age kind of fall into that same mold. But then at the same token, like I said, I was pretty privileged and I had everything that I needed. So I could have easily fell into a place of, you know, uh, complacency and just say, you know, I'm just going to go to school because my parents are bringing me to a good school and I'm going to just do what I have to do. But I decided to do a little bit extra and just kind of blaze my own trail. So I was blessed to be in that position. Besides karate, what else have you, like, tried? Uh, Athletic-wise? Or you mean, yeah, like, hobbies? Athletic-wise, Okay. I, um, I wrestled in high school. I wrestled my 10th grade year and my 11th grade year. I stopped wrestling in 11th grade because I had a... Um, I had a torn tendon near my ankle and I suffered that during wrestling practice. And then after that, uh, I really didn't want to wrestle that much anymore. I also ran track in high school. I did track uh, ninth grade year and 11th grade year. I did discus and shot put, and I also ran the four by one and the four by two. Uh, I swim. I'm currently a lifeguard at the YMCA. And the crazy part about that is nobody really taught me how to swim. You know, my, my friend was like, Jordan, the Y is hiring lifeguards. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself that I could swim. I never really tried to swim, but I'm like, I've never drowned in the water, so why not give it a shot? And I just kind of jumped in the water, and I just kind of swam. And ever since then, swimming has been one of my regular exercises that I do, so I'm an avid swimmer. Uh, I do a lot, so it's kind of like a list. I'm a drummer, too. I drum for my church. I go to Salvation and Restoration Missionary Baptist Church, and I drum there. And uh, I also like to draw. I know you commented on the, uh, the the drawing that I did on Instagram about a week ago. But, um, you know, I draw in my spare time, too. So I have a lot going on. I got a lot of things that I do. But um, I'm glad to have those things to kind of keep me active and to keep my mind occupied. And you definitely do a lot. Yes, sir. <laughs> Who are some of your favorite athletes? Give me, like, your top five. Anyway. Oh, I could go in a lot of different directions with this. My top five athletes from any sport. Now, are we going all-time or are we going current athletes? Uh, okay. We can go both. Oh, okay. So my all-time list, number one is probably Bo Jackson. And I didn't know a whole lot about Bo Jackson because I was born in 99, so I didn't even get to see him do a lot of the stuff that he did. But, you know, just watching footage of him, I watched his documentary on ESPN. He was amazing. You know, that's the guy who played for the Raiders um, running back. And then he also played in the major leagues. I forgot for which team he played for. But um, he was an all-star in both. And he was one of the first athletes to do that. So I love Bo Jackson. Uh, LeBron is definitely up there. You know, one of the best players in the NBA today. I say Serena is up there at three. Like, she's the most dominant female athlete probably ever. Um, who else do I like? I like Adrian Peterson. When I, when I, especially when I first started playing running back around seventh, eighth grade, that was the guy I looked up to. You know, I would model my moves after him. I always try to do the spin moves. And I actually um, asked my mom to buy me the same elbow pads that Adrian Peterson wore, too. So I was a huge Adrian Peterson fan. And then um, I got to put Ray Lewis in there. You know, that's the heart of Baltimore, middle linebacker, 
former middle linebacker for the Ravens. But that would be my all-time athlete. What athletes do you like? What athletes are you? What's your top five? I'm not, like, a huge sports fan. So I really okay. don't know, I like, that. the players. But yeah. when I do get the time, I watch soccer. For one thing, I can say, I do look at, like, the different stories on the different players when it does pop up. And I do like mm-hmm. listening to them. So it's, it's really interesting just to hear, like, you know, their background and just different things happening. Yeah, definitely. Like those stories on ESPN and those documentaries that they do, like they're really interesting and really informative. You know, I love watching those. What's your training schedule like? Oh, um, I work out twice a day. So usually I either get up in the morning and run, which is cardio. Or I'll go to the gym in the morning. And then usually in the afternoon, evening time, after I get off of work, I'm usually on the football field. So that's when I get all my um, my footwork in because I'm trying to improve my footwork because I'm playing strong safety now. Uh, where I, whereas, you know, in high school, I was playing middle linebacker. So that's a huge jump as far as, you know, footwork and the demand of what the position, you know, holds. So I have to work on my footwork. I'm trying to work on my speed. And then I also eat a lot, too, to, to keep my body up. So I eat about four or five pounds a day because I burn so many calories with my training schedule. So that's what it's like. I usually work out once in the morning and I'll work out again in the evening. Okay. And, like, tell me about your position. Like, you know, explain to me. Right. So I say strong safety at McDaniel, but really I'm a strong rover and a strong rover is a cross for anybody who watches football is a cross between a safety and a linebacker. So most of the times I'm up near the line of scrimmage. And of course I'm on defense. So I had to do a lot of tackling since I'm up um, at the line of scrimmage and I'm, you know, 170 pounds and I got to go up against guys who are 220, 230 pounds with the tight ends and the offensive linemen. So it's something that I've been working on. But at the same time, you also have to work on your footwork too because you're kind of like the safety. So you got to be able to drop in the coverage and do different things. So it's a very diverse position. And this is this past year was my first year actually playing that position. So like I said, I've been working on my footwork as well as staying in the mm-hmm. weight room so I could be both strong and um, light on my feet. Outside of sports, what else do you do? Outside of sports, like I said, I'm a speaker. I speak to students about education and leadership development. I go to different conferences. Like I said, I'm going to the national conference next week, but also to go to different high schools and churches. You know, I grew up in the church. My pastor is my aunt, so she's been a huge mentor for me. So I spend a lot of time, you know, writing speeches and writing content. I realized that I had a talent in speaking when I was in high school, when I was a member of Future Business Leaders of America. That's what FBLA stands for. And ever since then, speaking has been something that I really wanted to do. You know, I made my website. And in the meantime, you know, I'm making, you know, different motivational videos for my followers on Instagram and on YouTube. Like I said, I'm going to different schools and churches to speak. So that's one of the main things that I do in my spare time. What was your, I guess, if you remember, like your first speech about? Right. So my first speech publicly was at the PBS National Telecommunications Convention. And people are always blown away when I tell people that, like, wow, you spoke in front of PBS. And really that opportunity came through me just doing a presentation at high school. And I'm pretty sure anybody who's listening, of course, you, you've probably done a presentation at high school. You know, you got the PowerPoint and you got to stand up in front of the classroom and present something. And a lot of people dread that. But it was always something that I enjoyed doing. So I said, I might as well give it 110%. And on one particular day where we had presentations in class, we had to do the presentations in the library because we didn't have enough room 
room to do them in the classroom. And my former librarian, the librarian at Randalltown High School, she's Google certified and she travels the country to speak. So after class, she asked me to stay after to talk to me. And she wanted a student's point of view of how to use technology in school. So I actually went with her to the um, Baltimore Convention Center in 2016. And I was speaking to educators from Texas and administrators from Hawaii who don't even know about BCPS1. And uh, we kind of used that as the example of how to use technology effectively in school. So that was the first public engagement that I ever had. And like I said, it just came from me doing what I was supposed to do in school. Wow. That's amazing. Yes, sir. What keeps you motivated? I get that question so many times, and I've I've always struggled to answer it, but my mission and then uh, my circumstance. So those three things motivate me. My mission motivates me. I wake up every day, and I've created a mission statement for myself. And a lot of times when we talk about mission statements, we think about businesses, and you have to create a mission statement for your business. Like seldom as people do we sit down and create our own mission statement for our lives. Like what do we want to accomplish at large? And what I want to accomplish at large is uh, to honor a legacy of education and leadership development. And if, you know, viewed my website, is the first thing that pops up on the website. It says Jordan Davis honoring a legacy of education and leadership development. And that's just honoring, you know, the people who came before me and paved the way for me to be able to do this kind of stuff. You know, my parents who, you know, kept me motivated and kept me driven throughout the years. My teachers who believed in me and put me in certain positions to be successful, like that teacher who invited me to the conference. You know, my mission of honoring a legacy of education and then trying to develop every day as a leader, I look at that each and every day because it's on paper now, it's documented. And I had no choice but to get up and just chase that and try to be better every day. And then I have my circle and my circle I call uh, is the five people that I come in contact with the most every day. So that's my mom, my dad, my niece and nephew, and then my brother. And then a lot of people, they have larger circles than that. So you could, you know, fall on your grandparents or your uncles or the people who just are invested in you. Because when it's about you and you get tired, you know, it's easy for you to stop. But when you think about your mom and you think about your dad and you think about the people who are close to you and have a certain level of investment in you, that also drives you. And then, like I said, my circumstance is the last thing that really drives me and motivates me. I look at me as a speaker. It's not a lot of 18-year-olds that are doing what I'm doing. But then at the same time, you know, I want to be one of the greats. I want to, I just wake up every day and I want to be great. I want to be the next Eric Thomas. I want to be the next Gary Vee. But at the same time, I want to be the next me. So I got to be able to wake up every day and wake up early and write speeches. And that drives me every day, just chasing that number one spot because it is possible. You know, I've heard their story and they came from less than I did. So if I have all the resources and I have all of the people around me that can help me do what I do, then why not go 100%? So like I said, it's my mission, my circle, and then my circle circumstance and I always look at you know how can I get better each and every day the last time we talked in like over a year and the last time we talked about football you know kind of what you're doing now for school and a variety of other things so What's, what's been going on? I don't even really know where to start. Well, first, I just want to say thank you for having me back. Um, you know, it's good to talk to you again. It's been a while since we talked over the phone. Of course, we've talked a lot um, over the past couple of months through text, but definitely great to hear your voice again. And um, since we've talked, a lot has happened within the past year. Um, I know you said last time we talked, I talked about preparing for football. But since then, I've decided to leave the game. I've actually quit football. And really, that was you know, the first pivotal decision that was made that has allowed all of this change to transpire over the past year. Um, of course, I've been playing football. Uh, previously, I played football for the past 10 years straight. And uh, going into my sophomore year of college, I was preparing for the season. I played the first couple of weeks. Um, and to be honest with you, that first month, 
of my sophomore year was very rough. It was one of the hardest times um, of my life. I had so much, so many things going on besides football. Not only was I a college athlete at the Division Three level playing college football, uh, but I was also a resident assistant at McDaniel College, which is currently the college that I attend. Talking about having a part-time job. I had an internship in downtown Westminster, Maryland. Um, you know, I'm in church every Sunday. I play the drums from my church. I had obligations to the church. So just a lot of things going on at one time. So I actually made the decision to leave the game of football in order to focus on uh, the motivational speaking that I do. That's another thing that I was doing, speaking at high schools, middle schools, and leadership conferences and talking about the importance of education. And uh, since I made that decision, I can honestly say that that was one of the hardest decisions that I've ever made, but that was definitely one of the best decisions that I've ever made. So I guess we could talk a little bit more about that decision and how that kind of changed things moving forward. Tell me, like, how did that, uh, how did that change everything? Just making the decision was one of the hardest parts. Like, being inside of the room, you know, staring my coach in the eyes, the same coach that recruited me to play college football, um, it was the hardest part. Like, just making sure that I got in that room and I was make, able to make that decision. Uh, but once I sat down with him, once I explained to him what I was going through and um, what I would be doing moving forward instead of playing football, um, of course, he definitely understood it. He's a great guy. Um, we had a great relationship. Uh, but he understood that there were things outside of football that were greater for me. You know, there were things that I was doing outside of the game of football that a lot of other people weren't doing. And there were opportunities and doors that were opening for me um, that were opening for a lot of people. So I decided to take an advantage of that. Um, and since then, I've been able to make decisions a lot quicker. I've been able to make decisions a lot more confidently because I stated before that was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made. You know, just making sure that I got inside of that room was, was an important part for me. So I made that decision. And then uh, once I made that decision, as I said, I started to focus more on my speaking career, focus on my speaking career, focus on my academics. And there's no coincidence that since I left the game of football, the amount of speaking engagements that I had increased. I've been had several seminars and speaking engagements at McDaniel College. Um, I've spoken at high schools. I've returned to FBLA to speak at their conferences, though the speaking has increased. Uh, my grades actually got better as a result of that decision. And, um, you know, that, that was probably the most important thing that originally happened. And, like, you've been, like, how, is, how you say, uh, a lot of things transformed. And you actually, you know, you've gotten, you know, like, you've gotten better at certain things and pretty much everything overall. And I guess, you know, not having to be on that that tight pack schedule, it definitely frees up a lot more time to, you know, do the speaking and do whatever else you need to do. Yeah, it definitely freed up that time. And I'll say another thing, it actually allowed me to not pay so much attention to the social perception. Because, you know, my almost my entire life I've, I've been an athlete. So to go from being an athlete one moment, being a college football player and having people ask you, um, the first question that they ask you, you know, how is football going? Are you getting any playing time? To me having to explain that, you know, I'm no longer playing football, that was just a big mental barrier that I had to get over the fact that I wasn't an athlete anymore and that I, you know, had this other thing that I could take pride in, which was speaking. But I guess, I guess it, you know, wasn't as glorified as playing college football. So it was just a social perception. And I had to get over that and realize that what I'm doing and how I feel is more important to the title and the, the social perception and the connection that's associated with me playing football. How are the speaking engagements going? What, you know, what, what's been some of like your best speaking engagements so far? Well, I'm glad you said that. Uh, in Early March, I was blessed with the opportunity to do a TEDx talk, and that was a year in planning. 
You know, that was spoken into existence in March of 2018. I spoke at a conference uh, for Future Business Leaders of America. And uh, one of the professors or one of the, the instructors that sat in the room and watched my presentation, he said, man, you should turn this into a TED Talk. Like, it was so good. Um, the way that it was structured, I could really see you doing that. Um, and then, of course, the way God works, uh, you know, a year later in March of 2019, I did a TED Talk, uh, a TEDx Talk, and it was a TEDx Youth Talk in Tacoma Park, Maryland. Um, and that experience was so rich, man. I learned so much from that. I plan really hard for it. It's on the TEDx YouTube page. So if you type in Jordan Davis TEDx talk, it'll come up. It'll be the first video. So that was probably the biggest speaking engagement that I've had since the last time we've talked. Uh, as you can imagine, I speak primarily in high schools and middle schools uh, as far as education. You know, this season has been kind of slow for me because, of course, school is in a session and there are a lot less conferences during the summer than it is during the school year. So I've just been taking this time to plan for the semester as far as my academic, you know, making sure that my GPA stays high going into my junior year of college. Uh, and I am also uh, I'm also preparing for graduate school. You know, I'm applying for graduate school uh, very soon. You know, I have to take my GRE exam. Uh, which is required for all graduate students. So I'm just I'm just doing a lot of planning and preparing during the summer. But of course, once that fall and winter season rolls around, I'm gonna be back in the speaking game uh, and I'll be killing it in speaking. So I'm looking forward to all of those things. But you've done that TED Talk. What has happened? I'll talk from a personal standpoint. I've gained a lot of confidence in myself from that from that TEDx talk. Um, just knowing that it's out there in the space, you know, it's gotten hundreds of views so far. It's not one of those videos that went viral or anything like that. Uh, but just the confidence that I've gained as a speaker, knowing that I was able to achieve that uh, when somebody spoke into existence and I actually worked and put in the um, put in the work that was required to get that opportunity. Um, it made me realize, like, man, you could really do this for a long time. And like, there are people that believe in you. There are people that are supporting you. And you're not just doing this for charity. You're not just doing this, um, you know, in the church or in the schools. Like you're able to do this on the big stage as well. Um, so it just gave me a lot of confidence. You know, I, I feel more confident when I put things into the future and when I plan certain things. I say, okay, I want to have this speaking engagement in April of 2020. Okay, Jordan, what do you have to do in order to make that speaking engagement happen? I could follow a similar blueprint that I use to make that TEDx talk happen to make other talks happen in the future. So I'm just more confident in my plan. And of course, my speaking as a speaker. Confidence is a big thing because, I don't know, like, I've noticed, you know, the kids today, some of those kids have confidence on their own. And the kids that actually, you know, have that confidence, they uh, they tend to be a little, you know, out there with what they say, but they uh, mm-hmm. they don't mean to say some of the things that they do say. They just don't know how to, I guess, they control, control it in a sense. Right. Definitely. And and confidence is something that you have to work on. You know, not everybody who's a speaker started out, you know, from the womb with that kind of confidence. You know what I'm saying? There are people that develop as a speaker. Of course, confidence is something that you could work on each and every day and you develop. I actually saw one of my um, one of my kindergarten teachers the other day. We were out. uh, Me and my dad were out doing some work and we saw she said, Jordan, I remember you were so quiet uh, when you were in my class. You're just such a quiet kid. And now she sees me on stage and speaking. So um, it's never too early uh, to to work on yourself, especially when it comes to confidence. And confidence is something that you can develop over time. Wow. Powerful, man. Powerful. You definitely uh, surprised me, and I'm pretty sure you surprised a lot of other people with, you know, all the decisions that you made and all of that. And I'm pretty sure you had to, you know, explain some things to a few people that may, how you say it, may not necessarily understood the decisions that you made, but they may have wanted to understand the why. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll, I'll talk about that, you know, a little bit more. 
as since I've quit the game of football, I've explained myself less and less. You know what I'm saying? Like when I when I first stopped playing, I would, you know, go through lengths and take the extra mile to explain, look, I had this going on and I was depressed and I wasn't feeling good. But now I'm just saying, yo, like speaking is what I do now. Like football is a game at the end of the day. People make a living from it and people love it and enjoy it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's not something that has to be done. It's something that you can graduate from and it's something um, that, that shouldn't hold you back. So I'm doing bigger and better things and people just have to understand that. You know, that was just a chapter of my life. Just like if you were to graduate high school, school or if you were to graduate college, you know, I graduated from that part of my life. And now I'm moving into speaking. I'm moving into graduate school. I'm moving into my career. I'm moving to a new level. So I found myself explaining myself less and less when it comes to um, when people ask about that decision that I made in, in regards to quitting football. Um, and that's just come through, you know, me realizing that there are greater things for me in the future. And I'm pretty sure, you know, all the football experience that definitely, you know, ties into your speaking. I'm pretty sure you, you talk about that in your speaking as far as, you know, the things you have to do, schedule, the time crunch, all of that. And I'm pretty sure you've inspired, you know, high schoolers and middle schoolers to, you know, pursue beyond sports because I had a conversation the other day and it was um, this, this kid, um, he wants to, you know, go to the NBA. And in that conversation, he was saying that, like, you know, it's, it's like a one in a million chance. You never know if you're going to get drafted or not. You want them to have other, you know, gifts and things like that that they do outside of, you know, sports. But that's kind of all they can see right now. And, you know, they just need that, you know, that guidance sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And people have to realize, too, there are different avenues within that. You know, of course, the NBA is the pinnacle of a basketball career, right? That's the thing that you that you ultimately want to achieve. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with playing basketball across seas. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with becoming a sports manager. I know a lot of people aspire to be that. Um, there's nothing wrong with being a coach, you know, starting at the, the little league level and working your way up. Like there are avenues within the game that a lot of people don't understand. And they kind of shove that aside because they had this one goal, this one narrow focus and this one goal that they want to achieve uh, when there are so many different avenues uh, within that same topic, within you know, within that same industry, so uh, we just have to, you know, make students and people aware of that, and don't just have the MBA as that one thing that they're striving toward, but just keeping an open mind and being able to do other things within that. What would you say is, I guess you say, kind of been, I guess, say like a theme for you this year? So far, a theme for me this year has been planning and learning. You know, I, as a motivational speaker, I naturally pride myself on hard work, you know, and I've been I've been working hard. I've kind of changed my mindset ever since my junior year of high school. I talked about in our previous conversation, that student that went from C's and D's to straight A, uh, that was hard work. That was a result of my work ethic. But now as I apply for graduate school and I go to the next level of education, I realize that hard work isn't enough. And I realize that there has to be a level of planning and learning that you have to be willing to do. And the hard work isn't the only thing. Thing that you should focus on uh, because if you focus too much on the hard work then you lose your vision and um, I have to realize that you know in planning for graduate school and planning for speaking engagements there is a way to plan like there is a strategy to getting speaking engagements there is a strategy to becoming a communication professor and if you focus so hard on working and working hard uh, then you will hold yourself back from the planning and learning that
that will take place. So instead of talking so much, instead of, you know, trying to speak and have 10 speaking engagements in a month, um, maybe I'll, you know, I'm focusing on having just one speaking engagement a month and, you know, spending time talking with my professors and talking with, um, you know, people at different universities, how they became college professors and um, considering studying abroad in Budapest, Hungary for the spring semester. And um, just exposing myself and, and learning and taking this time to learn and plan this year so that when it's time to work, I can have the blueprint for it and say, okay, this is what I plan for. Now I have to put in the work when it's time to achieve those things that I want to achieve. So planning and learning, just sitting back, um, learning from my mentors, learning from my teachers and professors, um, and being able to plan for things that I plan to work for in the future. Yo, so that was JD Speaks, man. He he gave us a very powerful message about continuing doing something, not for the sake of others, but for the sake of yourself. He started out as a football player and turned slowly but surely into a motivational speaker. He did a TEDx event. He spoke at FBLA and a bunch of other places. He's been given opportunity because he followed what his heart was telling him and not what, you know, the outside was saying. He kept true to what he was going to do. He's not just talking about it. I look forward to seeing what JD Speaks has upcoming. And just to add a little context, this interview took place between 2018 and 2019, and it's 2020 now. So imagine the great things he has been able to accomplish, you know, since then. I'm excited, man. JD Speaks has come a long way, and I know he's doing a lot of amazing things right now. Beyond that, and this is it. Season two is finally done. It's been a long, long time, but I appreciate everybody that's been patient with us as we edit these episodes, as we get things done over here. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody that has been interviewed for, um, you know, the 2018 2019 season and without you know the listeners you know there's no podcast it's been a good season we ended on a high note a very very good high note season three is right around the corner and i'm super excited very very excited season three is packed with new guests new opportunities new friends that we've made along the way that are doing awesome things and they're showing the fruits of their labor. So stay tuned for season three, man. I got a lot, a lot of exciting things ready for you guys for next season. You're gonna be shocked at what transformations have taken place in terms of the production value and a whole lot of other things. But you'll see them on my Instagram, man. Follow me at Rex underscore Ignium, R-E-X underscore I-G-N-I-U-M. Beyond that, man, follow Sound Model on Instagram, S-O-U-N-D-M-A-R-T-E-R. Sound Model is where everything is being housed at, the podcast and everything else we have coming up. So click on that page, man. You'll see some great things already in the works. Get ready for season three because it's definitely about to be a culture clash. Peace.